You are now listening to Shy Sox Weekly, hosted by Tony Marchese and John Suarez. Shy Sox Weekly Episode 42, presented to you by the ONTAP Sports Network. My name is John Suarez, joined as always by my co-hosts, Tony Marchese and Johnny Nani. How are we doing today, guys? Oh, not so bad. And you? Doing great. Every time you get to beat a guy that you traded off your team, or no, that left your... Fuck, I just butched that. That left your team at not the best terms, especially... No, yeah, we traded Chris Hill. I'm a fucking idiot. All right, I'm just killing it right now. i'm not editing this i'm not editing this this is this is this is great stuff um it's 1108 right now and i'm just gonna preface this with the fact that jonda drank like a whole sixer before we even started recording so he may or may not know anything about the chris sale trade we'll we'll dig into him on that in a little bit um Yes, it's always good to beat the guy who was your number one player for a long time and gets about traded. Six years. Yeah, about six years. He was, oh man, Chris Sale. I, I still, I still wish he was on this team, but at the same point, don't because Yohan Moncada and Michael Kopech are are pretty decent ball players themselves. But uh, yeah, if they didn't win that game today, I would be in a really bad mood. I don't know about you guys. No, 100%. The Sox were basically about to go on a five-game losing streak until Jose Abreu was the hero of the day. Um, Honestly, and I was just talking to you guys about this before we even got on the call, the Sox uh, are 2-4 and in their last six games, but could very easily be, if not 6-0, at least 5-1. and So we're definitely going to get deep into that. We haven't spoken with you guys ever since the um, pr- uh, prior to the Crosstown Classic, which, I mean, went good, but also kind of sucked at the end. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, other than that, but what's been going on with you guys? Just grinding, blogging, podcasting, a lot of good stuff. Um, Living yeah. a dream. You I'm more so interested in Tony telling me about the uh, argument he got in with an ump at a little league baseball game within the last Ooh. week. Ooh, th- these are good. These are good stories. So I don't know which one we want to talk about. I don't know. Let's I, talk about both. Fuck we'll it. Talk about both. But here, here's the next one. I don't know if you guys heard this one. So this was, this was on Saturday morning. Um, we were facing the Cubs. Uh, this is a playoff game, an elimination game for my for my son. I'm actually the suspended pitch- game. Yes, was no, no, no. This isn't the suspended game. I'll talk about the suspended game in a minute. Um, this is actually the same team. So it's double elimination. We we ended up winning, and then coming back to play the same team that we were in that heated game with. And um, so I'm pitching to my son. It's like the fifth inning, and the ump strike zone is just the most absolute horseshit strike zone I've ever seen in my entire life. He's calling balls that are landing in the in the other batter's box, strikes, balls over these kids' heads, everything. So I'm on the mound to come in to coach pitch because the kid gets walked. So in this league, if, if they throw four balls, the coach comes in to pitch. And so I'm up there, I'm pitching, and uh, my son's at the plate, and I throw one, and it's, it's, it's pretty hard to throw a ball that a kid can hit from the mound 
in a in, in a in a situation like this where you you don't want to put too much on it, but you got to so, put enough uh, so that it gets over the plate. Our viewers our viewers might not know the age group of the kids that you're that you're talking about right oh, now. Oh yeah, these so are these are these are that. six and seven year olds. These are six and seven year olds. <laughs> so they can't hit the heat, you know. You can't put too much heat on it, but you got to get it over the plate. Well, I throw one that bounces on the back of the plate, and so I I walk out, I, I, I walk from the mound over to the ump, and I go, "Did you really call that?" A strike and he goes yeah that was a strike and I look at him and I go so you didn't see it hit the plate then and he goes no it hit the plate that's a strike and I was like what kind of baseball <laughs> what kind of baseball umpire calls a strike that hits the plate I mean this guy probably could have been um, up in a major league game at this point in time with how the strike zones have been <laughs> for the White Sox but so then this guy on the on the one of the coaches of the other team who mind you hasn't come in to pitch to any of his kids because he's got some other dad in the stands that was coming in to pitch. He looks at me and goes, you're the coach. Why don't you get it over the plate? He should just keep his mouth shut. I'm having a conversation with the umpire, and he wants to insert himself into this. So you know that that video that came out the other week with the kids in Colorado? I'm sure you've seen this on Twitter, how a brawl oh, yeah. can the start. Whole, with the dads the, fighting. The, dad's yeah. fighting. Yeah, the bench is cleared, but not not the benches that the, that the players sit on. Yes, so the bench is cleared. Um, you know, I understand now where that can happen. I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying that this is a good thing, but I can understand where this can happen because, you know, let's let's go back a little bit. And you guys started to hear this story, so there was. I was gonna say, is this the same guy you were having you were having trouble with the week prior? Yes, this is the exact same dude. So we're, I mean, we're off the rails already here, and we're only like five minutes into this podcast. So we start this the first game that we played these guys. It was actually the first game in the playoffs. So we start playing them, and it's a 0-0 tie. They go six innings. And in the fifth inning of the game, they got a runner on second and third. Kid hits a ball to the outfield, and the kid runs home from third base, never touches home plate. The kid behind him, who was on second, runs home, touches home plate. There were two outs. As soon as that kid touches home plate, I go over to the umpire, and I start talking to the ump, and I go, hey, the first kid never touched home. The second kid passed him and touched home. He should be out for passing the runner. And we saw this in a White Sox game earlier this season where Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson, where they crossed each other and they, there was an out. This was the day that Tim Anderson had gotten the, the walk-off, the Timmy walk-off Yeah, that game. was a nutty walk-off too. So I explained it to the umpire. He agrees with me. You know, chaos ensues. They, run, they, they take the two runs off the board. It's a 0-0 tie. We go into the seventh inning. The umpire calls the game due to light. We have to, you know, play the game the next day to finish it out. Suspended game. I've never seen a six and seven year old baseball game go nine innings. This thing goes nine innings. So we're in the ninth inning the next day, and uh, they got a rule in this league that I don't agree with, but it's a rule where if the ball goes into the outfield, you can advance your runners. But as soon as the ball comes back onto the dirt. The runners have to stop. It's a dead ball. So, mind That's like you, kickball. It, yeah, you get the ball to the pitcher, and you yeah, halfway, yeah, you it's like go balls. De- yeah, balls dead. Kids got to go back if you're not more than halfway. Whatever. So, we come out. We score two runs. We're up by two, and they come up and they're doing that whole like you know start a runner on second base stuff that they're trying in the minor leagues now just to speed these games along. So they start the inning with the runner on second. You know, another kid gets on. They hit a ground ball, so we got runners on first and second. They hit a ground ball to our second baseman. He runs over and tags second, gets the force out over at second. 
The kid who was originally on second runs from second all the way to home and scores on the play. Now, mind you, this ball never left the infield. I was so, going to say, based off what you described, that sounds illegal in the eyes of the rule book. Yes, exactly. No, the umpire told me that the kid made it all the way home before the ground ball made it to second base. How old is this umpire, Tony? Well, this was a different umpire because the first umpire got fired for calling the game due to due to darkness the night before when it was only eight o'clock. Ass off Tinder. He's probably like some like sixteen year old kid. Yes, it was like a sixteen year old kid. It was it was very interesting. So I immediately run out of the dugout because you know I don't like to see my team lose. And as soon as I'm out there, I'm like, Blue, can you explain to me how a six year old runs from second to home in the course of a ground ball that goes to second base, and the fir- the runner that was on first is only halfway to second by the time that second's tagged. How does that happen? And he he looks at me and he goes, "Well, the run scored." And I was like, "No, the run should the runner should have to go back to third, one base on the infield, on an infield play." And he goes, "Well, he was more than." And then their their coach comes out. This is the guy that I had a problem with in the next game. He looks at he looks at the umpire and he goes, "Blue, in your judgment." was that kid more than halfway down the third base line. And, of course, there's a play at second base, so the umpire was all, all the way past the pitcher looking at the play at second base when this all happened. So how the hell can you not see – or how the hell can you see what's behind you and make that call? I don't know. I wasn't happy about it. Needless to say, the moral of the story is I'm an aggressive baseball manager. I'm probably going to get kicked out of one of these games. Um, it's just going to happen at some point. Unfortunately – the six and seven year old pirates have been eliminated from the playoffs by the Cubs, <laughs> and uh, you know my championship dreams are are long gone at this point in time. Well, so. well until until little AJ is about eight years old. So um, moving on, that that was a hell of an intro for episode forty two. Shout out Jackie Robinson of Shy Sox Weekly and Mariana Rivera, however you want to look at that. So, uh, Johnny, why don't you get us into a little news read, and then we'll roll into how the Sox have fared over the last week and week and a half, however the fuck long it's been since we last talked. Yeah, sure. So uh, the biggest news updates have come to the left side of our infield over these past two days. Uh, on Tuesday night, Tim Anderson left the game early um, when he was planning throwing over to first on a ground ball, uh, landed a little bit awkwardly on his uh, right ankle, and uh, when he was carried off the field, he uh, was not putting any weight on it. So this I'll tell you what, everybody yeah, I, was, I was about oh, ready yeah, to fucking cry. I was about ready to cry. I actually, I honestly, I'm going to pull up the exact text that I sent my, it was either my dad or Tony, I don't even fucking remember. So carry on, and by the time you're at the end of the news read, I will read it out aloud for our listeners. So anyway, Tim Anderson uh, carried off, and... Um, they uh, did x-rays. This is all during the game still. Um, and then they finally provide an update. X-rays came back negative, thankfully. Um, so we don't know. If the, I don't think there's any been, been any other news if there's an MRI done or anything. So we don't know about uh, structural damage or anything like that to ligaments. But um, his manager, uh, who John so kindly interacted with you at the inside scoop, said he was down there in the locker room. Uh, Timmy's going to be back in a few weeks. So uh, that's the news on Timmy Anderson. Uh, the other guy on the left side of the infield, Yoan Mankata, today he was hit by a slider by sale um, in the uh, first inning. Yeah, it was the top of the first. So um, he was hit by the pitch, and it uh, looked like he was like shaking up a little bit at first. Uh, they came out, kind of asked him if he was okay, said, okay, yeah, goes down to first base. Uh, and then Jose Abreu, 
uh, knocks double. Uh, Lurie Garcia comes around to score. Yoan makes it to third. And as he lands on third, he's looking kind of, uh, you know, uneasy. So they pull him right there. He comes out of the game. Um, I believe it was a uh, right knee contusion. Ended up being the uh, um, full uh, report on that. So uh, Yomar Sanchez came in, finished the game for him. They moved Jose Rondon over to third. Uh, Yomar played second. Um, th- those are the biggest things. Uh, injury uh, updates there. Other than that, uh, since we've last talked, um, Zach Collins, uh, he's up. He's in the show. Um, so he made his debut in the uh, um uh, Cup series against Cubs. Yep. Made his debut there, so he had a pinch hit opportunity there. But yes, Jack the home really run made his on debut Friday on night. Exactly. So uh yeah, that, that was sweet to see. So um hopefully Zach just gets more regular time going forward here. Um other than that, roster moves before the Boston series. Odrisamar Despagne DFA'd exact same uh, stat line basically that Irvin Santana had through three starts uh, when when he was DFA'd at that same point. Um, John Jay was then activated from the sixty day DL. Um, you, you know he was on his rehab stint in uh, um, Charlotte, he's, so he's yeah, they brought him up. And he's looked good so far, yes. Um, then the last two things, uh, real quick. Andrew Vaughn, uh, White Sox third overall draft pick this year. He is officially signed uh, with the club, $7.22 million on that bonus there. Um, and then uh, pitcher for Friday is TBA. So we don't know. Bullpen day, uh, call up, uh, we'll discuss. Uh, that's all I've got for the news. So, John, uh, I think you need to get back to your reaction about the Timmy news. Yeah, so, I mean, I had to scroll through. Tony and I have been fucking texting, like, high school girls before prom night the last couple of days. So um, I asked him what's going on with Kobe. He said, I'm not sure. And then literally, like, five minutes later on the broadcast, Benetti and Stone were like, yeah, Dylan Kobe has been uh, reinstated. He's going to make a, a rehab start for the Charlotte Knights, and then he'll probably be back within the Sox in the next, like, two, three weeks, which answered my question right there. And then Tony and I didn't talk for like 30 minutes, and then he just sent me shit. And I already knew why he's uh, like, I already know exactly where we're at with this conversation because I was literally sitting there, like, jaw drop, girlfriend, like, trying to console me, doesn't know how to console me because everybody knows I'm the biggest Timmy stand that there is out there. And I was devastated because I have seen multiple, I mean, especially being a football guy, like, not the biggest football guy, but I watch a lot of football. Like, I've seen non-contact injuries to the extent of where when Tim planted his foot, it was, I mean, albeit that one of the, like, not one of the nicest. It was a very nice play that Tim made to get that out. But on that wet-ass field, he goes to plant his foot. And while they're calling it an ankle sprain, to me, real time, that looked like an Achilles injury. That looked it like did. a muscle, a muscle-related yeah. injury. It did not yep. look like a sprain to me. That yep. looked like he tore something. So Tony said shit. I said he tore something. He said he's done. And I said for the fucking year, dude. God fucking damn it. He's so, <laughs> and, and I mean, pardon my French. I was clearly overserved at this point. I said he's so goddamn tough. There's no way in any world he leaves without trying to put any weight on that foot before getting off the field without knowing that something serious just happened. Which is true because I even and this is what I had said to my dad. I, I'm not gonna go on and have to like siphon through the text to figure this out. I told him like Tim Anderson is probably the toughest dude on the White Sox. All of us can hopefully, I mean, I mean maybe not the toughest, but at least one of the top toughest guys on the White Sox. All of For us sure. can hopefully agree on that. To the to where it gets to the extent where the dude's not putting any weight 
on his foot at all, like not even attempting. Like you know how like sometimes when guys get injured, they like at least try. Yeah, gingerly. Put a, yeah, like I mean, and even if it hurts like a shit ton, you're still gonna attempt to put that foot in the ground. Timmy, the second that the trainer and Ricky came out, that he went right arm over Ricky, left arm over the trainer, didn't put his foot down the whole time back into the clubhouse. And that wasn't a good sign to me. That that scared the fuck out of me, dude. So, I mean, luckily, we actually have quite the connection with Timmy's manager at this point. And I was kind of tweeting back and forth with him. And then he finally said, you know, I'm in, I'm in the fucking training room right now. You know, Tim's good. He'll be back in a couple weeks. Just an ankle sprain. So we actually got that information before a lot of people got that information. And who's to say that the beat writers didn't get the information that they were putting out based off of the, the interaction that we were having with Timmy's manager. So that was tough to see because everybody knows Timmy's so nice. And you don't want to see a nice guy like that, whether it be nice on the field or nice for charity. You know, I mean, it was tough to see. So I really hope that I honestly, if I had to peg it myself, I would say post all-star break, we got a series. I think it's in Oakland. We have a weird series where we come back from the all-star break and we're on the West coast for a couple nine o'clock starts. So I wouldn't be too surprised if that's the series that we do see Tim come back. But other than that, you know, good riddance. Oh, just, I, I mean, I haven't tried to have to say his name too much because we've only probably recorded like two episodes since he's been up. But Despagne, good fucking riddance. And Yo Mankata, get well soon. Other than that, um, let's roll into that Cub series that we previewed on our last episode. Tone, you can. I want to. I want to. I want to take a step back here because I got two things on this. Number one is the dude that tried to come after Timmy for crying or whatever, who got banned from Twitter. Or is the account suspended? And number two, I don't know if you guys saw this today, but White Sox Dave was calling Yoan Moncada not tough on Twitter. So I don't know if you guys wanted to comment on either of these things. The Cubs fan who got himself suspended, he got ratioed real quick on Twitter by, by White Sox Twitter. And then uh, and then the White Sox-Dave interaction, apparently um, the White Sox had run medical tests on Moncada when he had his back thing and told him he was fine. Moncada didn't think so and kept himself out of the lineup for a few days. And then uh, Dave tweeted something where he didn't see the, uh, he didn't see Moncada get hit by the pitch, but was, uh, he said something about being frustrated that Moncada was out of the game. Um, and then uh, chaos kind of ensued uh, in that thread a little bit. I don't know if uh, if you guys saw that or not, if this is new information to you, or if uh, if you saw it and were aware. Kind of concerning to me that there's a little bit of a disconnect between Moncada and the White Sox organization, and then um, what was going on with all that, and then uh, obviously the other thing that I brought up with, with the dude who was trying to come after Timmy for, for not being tough. Well, as for Dave, um, I think, you know, he didn't even see it. He said he was traveling. Uh, he had prefaced that. Um, so I don't think he really knew. When I, when I was watching it, um, the replay, you know, it's not great. You don't have that straight side on uh, to see where it exactly hit. But it did. It looked like he drilled him in the kneecap. Um, you ever been drilled in the kneecap? It's not fun. Yeah, no, it's not um, fun. I've been drilled directly <laughs> in the elbow especially, and I my bone you know, and I had to in, a whole fucking season out. <laughs> so, yeah, so I feel so, like my dude's you know, pain. I, I didn't see exactly where, so honestly, I can't make the exact call of like whether. But I wouldn't call Yoan Moncada not tough for that. Um, say he's, you know, he's being cautious. He's is 
physical gifts are, you know, what makes them the money. So I, I don't like, uh, I, I think it's, you know, like you had said, concerning that there may be a disconnect between him and the White Sox training staff. Um, but as for Dave's comment, um, you know, he didn't see it. So I thought it looked pretty rough. And, you know, that's something that it might feel okay right there when you're standing there and then you just got to do a little trot down to first base or even walk at that point since you're drilled by the pitch. Um, but then it probably activated. And when he started to move it in high gear, when he was, as he went from uh, first to third on that double by Abreu, he made it there. But then, you know, you could see he was clearly uh, wincing. So I, I would actually say that Mankata um, definitely showed some toughness by uh, um, trying it out there and trying it out. And, uh, then, you know, obviously he, he was in uh, discomfort on third base. So um, I'll, I'll actually give you on Mankata some props there and flip the script. Um, but, yeah, that, that was kind of new to me. But I did see Dave's tweet originally that said, what happened? I'm traveling. So that, that's that's my comments on it. And that other dude, yeah, yeah sorry. You, you can't make fun of guys that are injured. I don't care if you don't like the team. That's all. Yeah, that's some of the biggest bullshit in sports is when someone, like, actually applauds a fucking injury. Like, we just saw it recently when Kevin Durant tore whatever the fuck he tore in the NBA Finals and the whole entire, like, Toronto, I don't even know what you would call it, Coliseum, whatever the fuck they play in, the whole entire um, stadium was cheering on Kevin Durant being hurt. Like... You never, I don't give a fuck. And I I was texting with my buddies about it. I actually had a couple of my buddies even, like, shoot some tweets at this fucking dude that are Cubs fans. Like, I don't give a fuck who it is. Like, even if Addison Russell, of all people, gets hurt, I'm not going to sit there and cheer on an injury it's, for another human being. That's that's well, fucked up. Yeah, you don't want, you don't want, you're not cheering the harm of someone's well-being. That, that's exactly. what it is. It, yeah, regardless of health. what the matter like, is. You can call no. him a, you know, it's a, yeah, Edison Russell is a scumbag. Everyone knows yeah, that. But I would I wouldn't say I want him to tear his ACL tomorrow. Like, no, I'm not going to, you know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, so it was it was absolutely disgusting to see that shit. And to see the other tweets that this dude has put out over his Twitter career was, honestly, he made good comedy for White Sox Twitter on a night that, the Sox were winning a game three to one and ended up losing six to three because they had five unanswered runs scored. So we're gonna end up talking about that as well. Um, but to move on to the Yoan Mankata being soft, which I did see the tweet originally. I didn't. I didn't see the follow up because while I don't necessarily agree with Dave, I didn't see the pitch. I actually, you had said it was a fastball, Nani. I had seen yeah, it I was on wrong. Twitter. It, it was a slider. A I was slider, wrong. yeah. Okay. So, and I mean, even even so, like, Chris Sale throws his sliders 80-plus miles per hour. You take a fucking 80-mile-per-hour baseball from 60 feet to your fucking kneecap, you're going to be wincing in pain. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a fucking professional. I don't care if you're playing fucking backyard baseball with your fucking boys and you're drunk. You're going to feel that shit. So... <laughs> You know what I'm saying, though? Like, that, like your kneecap's your kneecap, dude. There is no muscle. There is, like, hardly any... I'm a fucking heavy dude, dude. There is hardly any fat between my fucking kneecap and the skin that is covering it. So, and the same thing I just said. When I was, like, 12 years old, I was playing travel baseball, and I, I'm a righty, so my left elbow... You know, I got I got a shot right to the direct part of my left elbow, and I chipped my bone. And that's fucking 60, that's a 60-foot mound. Kids are throwing 70-something. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that shit hurt. I cried. Like, and I was 12, so I get it. But, like, I cried, dude. That shit fucking hurt. 
I thought I fractured my elbow. So I understand where he's coming from. I'm not going to hold it against Yoan Mankata. I understand the injury history with Mankata. He does kind of go, and I would much rather have Mankata 110% than 75%. So if he's not ready to roll and he's hurting from that, let him sit. Who gives a fuck, dude? While at the same time, we are in potentially a window of competing, we're not going to compete. I know you just took a picture of me with my no beard, and I look fucking stupid right now. I keep trying to take my hat off. I look so fucking dumb right now. For those listeners that aren't aware, I shave my beard off for my job, and I look like I'm like 17 again. And it's not the movie that Zac Efron's in. It's not a good, it's not a good look. So, I mean, looking at it broad spectrum in terms of like from Yom and Kata's standpoint, I'm not gonna want to play games for a team that's not necessarily competing for championships yet if I'm hurt. I want to give them my all. I want to give them 110%. You know, Mankata's putting up all-star numbers right now. He did not even make the final fan vote, which is embarrassing. We got fucking Gio Urshela in front of Yoan Mankata right now with his six home runs and, like, 17 RBIs and, like, six, seven... I don't even want to talk about it. So, moving on from Yoan Mankata, I... While I agree with Dave because it has looked, like, as if he's a soft ball player, at the same time, I don't want this dude that's one of the best talents that, you know, we've even seen in the Sox organization in the last, like, ten fucking years, position player-wise. I don't want him playing hurt. If he's hurt, he's hurt. Like, that's fine. You know, and, and Dave even says it himself, the Sox are like hardly even barely competing for a second wild card spot right now. So why are you gonna push the envelope on one of your future assets that's gonna help contribute to future winning White Sox ball clubs? I'm not gonna fucking make an injury that whether it's a like a contusion of his kneecap, whatever it may be. I mean, we're not doctor guys. We talked about this with Dave the last time he was on the fucking show, or the first time he was on the show. We're not doctor guys here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure if he's hurt, he's hurt. He could be his own doctor guy. If he's hurt, he's fucking hurt. <laughs> yeah. One one thing on uh, going back, if you're talking about the history of Moncada, if you're if that's a perception that some people have of him. Well, back things can be very, very ambiguous. I think that's the biggest thing here. So when you're sitting out those games against the Yankees. Um, you know, we saw it with Kelvin Herrera. He left with back until up until then. He was like, you know, the go-to eighth inning guy. And then after that, he had a downward spiral. Um, and he just couldn't find it. And I feel like, you know, he never hit a DL stint or an IL stint. Um, and I feel like there's still just something irking him there. So if Yohan needed to set out those games, you know what, I'm fine with it. I was sure I wanted to see him because I was at the ballpark. But you know what, whatever. Um, protect, you know, like you had said, long-term asset. All right, so... Yeah, sorry, I think I sent that <laughs> off the rails a little bit. <laughs> I didn't mean no, to do that. Good. It all started with your kid and the umpires that are umping your kids, like what should be t-ball games, but apparently six-year-olds get, get coach pitch now. And pitch fucking and coach player. Pitch. If, if I was getting players pitching to me when I was six years old, if I'm getting hit with a ball, I'm charging the fucking mound. I'll tell you right now. So, moving on. Um, to, to kind of recap the last, what is it, eight games that the Sox have played since we last spoke with you, because the Sox are about to play eight games in, what, seven days? And we're probably not going to speak again until those fucking eight games are up. So we're just an eight-game podcast here. But um, 
The Cubs or not the Cubs, fuck the Cubs. The Sox ended up splitting the the first end of the the first leg of the Crosstown Classic with the Chicago Cubs. Um, Eloy Jimenez, it was his night Tuesday night last week. Let's talk a little bit about that. I don't think there's been a better moment all season than Eloy Jimenez going yard right there. In that I don't situation. think there's been a better nope. moment all season than me being about at least 12 beers deep at my local dive bar with a probably five to one Cubs to Sox fan ratio and me literally screaming my fucking lungs off about ready to get punched in the face. Word to Sean Roberts. Um, just basically going, Eloy, you so nice. It, I mean, I mean, there was build up. There, 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 there was build up to it. <laughs> so uh, a couple of my buddies, I mean, I, I have a group chat with my friends that I am in periodically throughout the day. You know, this is my friends group that I've been tight with over the last, like, probably I'd say better decade of my life now that I'm getting older than I care to admit. And I want to say... If I had to guess, there's probably 10 people in that group chat. It's probably eight Cubs fans, two Sox fans. And we were all out at the bar that night. You know, my dad's a Sox fan. He was with us. And the second, who was it, Schwarber hit that leadoff bomb in that game? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. They were letting me have it the whole entire game. They're like, your worst pitcher is throwing right now. I'm like, dude, first of all, Yvonne Nova is not our worst pitcher. That's our number two on right. a good week. Hang <laughs> on. I saw somebody say something on Twitter earlier today about like, oh, well, we could replace Nova with Cease. Hell no, we can't replace yes. Nova no, with Cease. No, no, Nova's, Nova's, our, Nova's, our, Nova's, Nova's our number two up. right now. Nova, Nova's our number <laughs> two. That's, that's sad. That sucks to say. So, I mean, yeah, no, but moving on, um, there's a lot of other people we could replace with C. I mean, get Juan Manaya the fuck out of the bullpen. Put C. We have three starters right now. Jose Ruiz, how about that? Uh, oh, my God, that was tough. Oh, yeah, so, no, we're going to definitely get to that. But, um, yeah, so it's a one-to-one ball game. You know, we bring in our bullpen A team because it's a one-to-one ball game after Javier Baez is is not nice. He was very mean about it, made a throwing error, and I think it was Leary scored. You know, this is a yep. while ago. So, yeah, exactly. Johnny's 100% there for that. That uh, I was dialed into that game, John. That was... No, I was too, 100%. No matter how drunk I was, I remember every single fucking pitch of that game. So Bummer comes in, shuts it down, you know, we end up eventually getting into the top of the ninth, and I think it was McCann got walked. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he got walked. He might, no, I think he, he might have gotten a hit. I don't he had remember. A single, he hit a single to center. Hit, yep, hit a single. Here comes Eloy in the biggest moment of his big league career to this point. You know, this is your first game at the home stadium that you never even got to play at because this team didn't necessarily believe in you to the aspect where they just considered you a tradable prospect. How Tone considers Nick Madrigal, the Cubs considered Eloy Jimenez. So (laughs) (laughs) Eloy steps in, fucking Pedro Stroke, crooked hat, throws him an absolute meatball, and Eloy puts it into the stands. And I swear to God. Broken bat. The whole, yeah, yeah, he did crack his bat. He didn't explode his bat like Steve Stone tried to say on the broadcast. But he literally, like, honestly, I was at a bar and I was listening to the fucking, because obviously there's more Cubs fans, we're listening to the Cubs broadcast. I don't get to hear Bonetti's call on that until I get home and I am absolutely blacked out at that point because there were victory shots all around. So I come home. I'm chilling with my girlfriend. There's honestly a funny video. I'm going to send it to you guys. 
You can try and incorporate it into a Shy Sox Weekly mid-podcast video if you want because it's fucking hilarious. But I pro- – and, I mean, you can – my girlfriend can absolutely confirm this. I watched the video of Eli hitting that two-run bomb that same – oh, Jesus, that's a burp. That same night at least 50 times. At least 50 <laughs> fucking times. And I, I – like, we went on, like, a little walk because it was nice out that night. We had my dog for the night. So I took my dog for a walk. The whole city of Elgin knows that Eloy is your hero tonight. I promise you that. I kept screaming <laughs> that shit. I thought that was one of the greatest calls of all time. No. <laughs> yeah, no, you got to sometimes. You know, like, Eloy, he's your hero tonight. That was me, like, nonstop. And there's videos of it, you know, and they'll eventually surface when I continue to embarrass myself while I'm drunk. You know, the 108 guys know all about that. So other than that, we're going to eventually have to talk about game two of the Cubs series, but that was probably the high point of the season for me. That was so much fun. to, And even, like, that night looking forward, it's like John Lester against Giolito tomorrow. Like, sweep, goodbye. This is over with. Like, Giolito at that point is 10-1 with, like, a fucking 220 ERA just fucking straight shoving nails. So... I thought I, I honestly probably made a couple bets at the bar that I'm probably never going to fucking actually pay out on. So, I mean, whatever you guys have to say about the game, go ahead. But that was the high point of the season for Shy Sox Janda. That was a shit ton of fun that night. My dad because oh, I embarrassed <laughs> him. That was a good time. Just with the added intensity, um, you know, some people like to downplay the crosstown. I love it. it. It was part of my thing growing up, you know, uh, Cubs fans, Sox fans, uh, even in high school, we, we'd give it back and forth to uh, buddies. And, it, you know, it, it just adds uh, that much more. It's, it, it's what we have to uh, really look forward to. Um, I think Tony and I, we had discussed it, you know, like uh, the last episode, we had the Northside nine guys on, uh, we were treating, you know, that game in September that we won like our world series then. So, um, I still love it. Um, I think that added intensity, um, played into that. And then obviously the player that did it, Eloy being a former, uh, Cubs prospect, uh, doing it, like you had said, the ballpark that he never got to call home there. Um, I, I love that Eloy gets it done against those guys and makes them miss him because I think I had mentioned it. There was a spring training game um, back in 2018, I want to say, and Eloy, uh, Eloy had been on the uh, injured list and uh, the grand were, they were, just were you there up, for that? No, they were just sitting. I was not down there in uh, Arizona, but it, and he wasn't in the game. He wasn't in the starting lineup, but he was close to returning, and he was just begging. They said, you know, Benetti and Stone, they've rehashed this too uh, on the broadcast since that moment happened uh, in, in the game at Wrigley. But anyway, so, you know, uh, he just kept begging Ricky, oh, I want to hit against these guys, I want to hit. And boom, comes in and absolutely murders the ball down it. It was at the Cubs stadium in uh, Mesa down there in spring training. I know it's spring training. It doesn't matter, but it mattered to him. Um, and we got a great couple of gifts out of Eloy from that, celebrating the dugout with the guys um, after he signed his contract. I kind of edited one, so it was all green around him with like little dollar signs flying around him. Um, so, yeah, Eloy likes to get done against the Cubs, and I love that. Um, that made me so happy. I would agree with you. High point of the season, uh, just from the intensity and the uh, players that got done in that one. And just overall in the Cubs series for me, though, and I think I can speak for all of us here, um, exact opposite split that we had predicted. 
on last uh, time we talked on Shy Sykes Weekly with those Northside Nine guys. Even those guys, they, they were expecting us uh, to pull it out in game two with Giolito on the bump, but obviously that didn't happen. So um, that's all I've got. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. No, yeah, it was – that was probably – and it probably – I mean – I mean, today was a fucking great game. We can talk about great games all we want. You know, the Sox have come back from some crazy leads throughout the year. And like I've said before, I I mean, even on this podcast or even on Twitter, this team has something special, especially the chemistry effect. This team has something that we don't normally see on the south side and we haven't seen for the greater part of the last decade. So, I mean, cherish it while you can, Sox fans, but moving on to a little bit of pessimism, game two of that that Cubs series, honestly, that was horseshit. So, I don't like to play the whole umpire role and the whole the ump suck role, but that at bat to Wilson Contreras that the Cubs got the grand slam that ended up being the difference with two outs, Giolito... And I'm even even that whole game, he wasn't getting the same zone that John Lester was getting, and it was fairly apparent, you know, whether it been Very from apparent. pitch tracks, from you know whatever people were sharing on Twitter. Giolito had thrown a two-two. I want to say it was a changeup, low and away. That John Lester got the same exact pitch called to strike the next inning that would have ended the inning without the Cubs even scoring a single fucking run. And I mean. It's neither here nor there. He mislocated the fuck out of that slider. It was over the heart of the plate. McCann was asking for it low and inside. And he missed his spot. It happens with pitchers. And especially even with elite pitchers, like how Giolito has proven he is this year. Like, and I mean, Tony's not allowed to say anything. I'm really not allowed to say. I should have had you say that, Johnny, because we're not allowed to talk about Giolito being elite. But it was a tough game from the jump and i've seen multiple people say it and i'll say it myself you can't beat the umpire and this the opposing team at the same time you can't you know if you're playing against two different opponents you're gonna lose i think the ump that was calling that uh game just slid over to tony's little league game that he was coaching i was just about to jump in yeah no i was just about to jump in and say like there's just so many terrible umps out there and I've I've umpired games before. Let's just it's go not, get our umpire's license. Like, no, let's I've, make, I've let's already got sure. mine. I've done this before. I've done this before. I umpired for like four years, dude. It's not easy. Like, I'll, I'll be the first to admit. Like, I've I've screwed some calls up. I've thrown a dad out of a game before. I oh, just feel God. like I so feel like CSW story time. <laughs> I feel way like off the rails. I feel like I at some I, point. I feel like at some point. I, it's my civil duty to get tossed from a game be you know for tossing people out of games before so you know i need to hear the whole story start to finish on you throwing a, a some kid some poor kid's dad out of a game out of a little league game we'll get there at some point i'm sure we will i can't just i can't go divulge all these stories at at, at this point in time but um you know umpiring's hard it's it's not easy and everybody wants to call for robot umps and all this other shit to me even though the strike zones are terrible, and we've seen it a lot lately. To me, part of baseball is the imperfections that that umpires have. I saw somebody say, you know, like the other day on Twitter, um, you know, there's only one strike zone. Why is it that umpire strike zone? I think it was Bill Welke or whatever, the Bill Welke zone. Regardless of it is, all these umps have different rules on yeah, sex every swings. Ump has they have their different own thing. strike zones, which is it's hard to fucking adapt. Dude. It, that it's hard stupid. to adapt, but that's what makes baseball unique, in my opinion. I mean, feel free to disagree with me, 
that's what makes baseball unique is that there's a human element to the game. We're trying to take the human element out of this game, and it drives me up the wall. You know, instant replay is great in the fact that, yeah, you get the right call, but let's go back to 2005, man. I mean, I think I made this argument before. You know, if you if you go and throw instant replay on the on the drop third strike, you know, what happens there? And that might change the course of how we view the best year of our White Sox fandom. You know, you never know. They, they go back to the replay booth and, and review that if play. If we blow that series lead, well, actually, no, that was in game one, wasn't it? Game two. Game, game two. two. We were, that would have put us down 2-0 to the Angels. That's true. You know, that, that could... that we had that whole year. You know, that, that could have been... That could have been defining right there for that series. You never know. It, it To me, you know, right now where we're at with replay, and it's only going to get more and more expansive in all sports. You know, Johnny, we hockey's one of the worst with this right now, um, even more so than baseball. What is goaltender interference? Right, exactly. You know, what's goaltender interference? There, there's so much that goes into officiating professional sports or sports in general and one of the aspects that I really do enjoy about baseball is the controversy of an umpire's call. It, it might be terrible for your team, or it might work in your team's favor, but when you take that out, you know, you're know you ending that controversy, that, that ability to go back and, and have that water cooler talk or that, that, those, that the Twitter bonds that you form over getting angry about something – because some guy screwed up a call, you know. Like, I, I, I want, I don't want to get rid of that. You know, if everything just goes back to replay and everything's all cookie cutter, yeah, it's more fair. But it takes away talking points about these games that makes you know fans like us have something to discuss. And I think that that gets lost in everybody wanting these games to be you know completely perfect. I'm probably in the minority on this, but I think that it adds an element <laughs> to the game that you know. You, it it just adds something for people to talk about, and that's why we watch it, sports. We watch sports so that we can talk about them, and commiserate with with our with our fellow fans when we lose, or celebrate with our fans when we win. You know, if if a call goes your way, you're not going to fucking complain about it. But if it goes the other way, of course you're going to get pissed off and be like, "Yeah, screw that guy." That's just my yeah. that's just my take. Tony, I'd be careful. Uh, I think the analytics community is going to come after you and start calling you a meatball. I think that'll transition from uh, hockey Twitter over to baseball. Hey, I could be a meatball all I want. That's my That's right. right. Big meatballs, word to Snooky. So, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I've had like six Coronas in like two series at this point. Someone needs to cancel. Yes. This might be the first Shy Sox Weekly that gets the explicit tag this season. We haven't put uh, on any other ones. I mean, Lucy was off the rails last week. I felt I felt like I was out of place, not saying fuck as much. Yeah, yeah the, dude, definitely, Ron Luce, Ron Luce is sick. Ron Luce is the man. I had lunch with Ron Luce today. He's the man. Shout out Ron he Luce. Nah, he's the dude. I'll always call him Lucy, even if that's not how to pronounce it, because Lucy Goosey. Yeah, Lucy Goosey. All right, so moving on to the Rangers series, this is where it starts to get a little. A little chippy for the White Sox. Not at the beginning of the series. You know, we had talked about it briefly at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, Zach Collins made his first career start at catcher. And in his very first at-bat starting for the White Sox, he comes up with two outs, two runners on, early on in the game. And he fucking roped a ball to almost dead center. 
And I think it's dope. I, I mean, we don't talk about this enough. And I understand that the the Rangers are getting a new ballpark after, what, like 20-something years, which is absolutely fucking stupid. Because that ballpark, honestly... Too damn hot. Yeah, I mean, I get that. And it's a wind tunnel, too. But it's so cool how they have dead center. It's just a grass field. And they actually let people jump over the fucking rails to go get those home run balls. I think that's awesome. That that stadium's gone, though, dude. That stadium's gone. Also, I wanted to jump in. Still has it. I wanted. I want to jump in real quick. Did you just go on Twitter and tweet that Yoan's bones are pure glass, Jonda? They are. I did. (laughs) I just saw that shit. (laughs) His bones are. You said I love. I love Yoan, but his bones are pure glass. Didn't we just get done? We just got done discussing this. We did. And and he's a tough dude. But at the end of the day, he's tough, but he's got glass bones. That, that shit doesn't. Bones, that doesn't baby. go. That that doesn't translate, man. You're gonna have to explain yourself. Shysax John has a glass elbow. I do. No, I 100 percent do. That. I actually ended up. There fracturing. you go. The same elbow that I got the bone chip in, I ended up fracturing and was supposed to get surgery on, but at the time being, didn't have medical insurance, so we're just sitting here with just like. The thinnest of glass of elbows. So, I mean, if anybody ever wants to beat up Shy Sox John, that go for his left elbow first because that's the end of the fight right there. Sean Roberts CC'd right there on that email. Um, <laughs> and that brings us to a word from our sponsor, Aflac. If you get hurt and can't work, call Aflac. <laughs> All right. This is off so, the rails, guys. Zach so, Collins had a moonshot. That's Zach Collins had a 440 <laughs> foot bomb. Yep. Sox steal the deal. They ended up winning the first game against the Rangers, 5-4. to four. Collins' bomb was the difference. And then the next two games, they ended up losing games that were very easily winnable. So um, Saturday, this past Saturday, the White Sox had played the Rangers. Um, I honestly, God, don't remember who started. Was that Raylo's start? Or it was, was Raylo. Got one hit like 505 feet. Yes, it was. Way upper deck and right Mazzara. field. Mazzara went. Mazzara hit a fucking nuke. An absolute nuke. One furthest of, in the MLB so second, far. Second furthest ball in the StatCast era. And I want people to grasp that because StatCast was around in like 2014, 2013. So over the last six, seven years, that is the second furthest home run in the history of baseball. Not history of baseball. I butch that. But StatCast over the last five years, yeah. So, it's it's shy socks down to missing the beer, and I just feel like I just feel like I'm out of place. Brian Anderson is really pissed at you for that statement. Wait, what? Really? Didn't Brian Anderson like fucking put one on the concourse? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Well, dude, honestly, I feel like Statcast is a facade because who was it? <laughs> In foil hat time, yes. What was it? It was Eloy's bomb at home. His first home bomb. They said it was what only like four sixty two. Yeah, I believe so. When he hit it onto the fucking the porch Landing, up top, up the, yeah, going up to the fan deck. The fan deck. That's yeah. I've never been up there, so I'm. Or was it Joe Borchard who hit that? that it was Borchard. Yeah. It had to have been Borchard. Brian Anderson. Brian Anderson's furthest hit ball was probably like three hundred eighty feet. So <laughs> moving on. But, 
John, what you were on about the Eloy thing, though, yeah, it, it, I think it hit like a few stairs below, but then it like scraped over that landing that, uh, that are the, the stairs that go up the left side. Like if you're looking from home plate out to the fan deck, and then the one it dude that like, caught it that Garfine uh, interviewed was like clearly hammered. <laughs> that was a good time. Well, that was good TV. Good for him, correct? But yeah, um, Joe Borchard, five oh four. Wow! 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 You just signed yourself up to edit this podcast because I don't have that sound clip, Johnny, so good luck. Wow. <laughs> All right, so moving on as everybody just cranks the fucking alcoholic beverage in their hand. This and- might be the drunkest episode of Shy Sox Weekly that we've ever recorded. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if any of us are coherent that- at this point. I mean, Johnny had to help his grandma put uh, window AC units in today, at least four or five from what he said. And it took me about an hour to put in my one AC unit that is on full blast right now. And I feel all that shit. So it's, I mean, that was probably a long night for you, Johnny. So I'm sure you went home yeah, started pretty... to crack them. I got off I work yeah, the... early at like 530. The, uh... Nope, go ahead. Yeah. I've been drinking. Yeah, I, was, I just want you guys to I was just, right. just going to say, the uh, yeah, you're right. The uh, bush lights are going down smoothly after that project there. Um, but I'm with it. I'm with it here. We're good. Uh, you know, we, we won today. So uh, I think that has elevated my mood. I think it would be a lot more down-tempo if, uh, you know, we had gotten swept at Boston. Um, oh, my God. That was... you know, we, we were on that Rangers series. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <sighs> Just the, when we were getting into all these long bombs here, um, Raylo just got rocked. Um, he is uh, not – he doesn't have it. Um, it's unfortunate to see. Um, luckily, uh, the White Sox were able to salvage one. Um, I know and it was a no decision for him today. But, um, you know, it's a concerning thing going forward with Raylo. Obviously, it's great to see Giolito, but – we would like to see all these guys start clicking at the same time. Raylo and Giolito switch bodies. I'm fully convinced of it. From last year to this yeah, year, they they're like they are polar opposites of what they did last year. Both of them. Yeah. Fuck. It, it really it really is interesting. It, it's an intriguing uh, thing to bring up there, Jonna, because uh, we're since we're in the tinfoil hat section here. I'm protected because I made this hat from aluminum foil. Stack acid facade, Giolito and Raylo switch bodies. Um, I like it. I, I'm there for the uh, reach takes, but um, I, I honestly don't even want to go into Saturday. I was so upset seeing that. Um, I had been out earlier imbibing, and uh, then when I came home, I just caught the very end of it and uh, was not too happy with the result of that. Um, let's just move on from that. Sunday was the last Audrey Samar Despagne start in a White Sox uniform. Thank God. But uh, it did cost us another game. Cost us another ball game. 7-4 loss. Um, Sox couldn't rally late. And, uh, you know, Yonder Alonso was in the lineup and uh, grounding into costly double plays. So, yikes. Yeah, so I was just done. I, I just got done telling you guys before we went on the call Work has been kicking my ass, so the last couple Sundays I have been working, and I haven't, I mean, even Father's Day, I was not able to watch the game. I celebrated Father's Day with my with my dad. Actually, I celebrated Father's Day with my dad on Tuesday <laughs> when the Sox played the Cubs, which was fucking awesome. That was the greatest Father's Day gift I could have given him. 
was taking him out to dinner, um, buying him whatever he wanted to drink that Tuesday night and whatever I wanted to drink, my pocketbook was looking pretty fucking slim after that night, but it was worth it. Um, this past Sunday, I ended up working like 13 fucking hours, which sucked. And I was hoping that I would get off work to... Well, I watch Sox replays when I work. I want you guys to realize that. I don't miss a game. Like, and it, Whether it be a condensed game or if NBC Sports has the replay on or whether I DVR it, whatever it may fucking be. I don't have cable. I'm not going to lie and act like I DVR stuff, but I have the NBC Sports app, and you can watch like a whole replay within 24 hours of when a sporting event is played. So I turned it on. I turned it off about as quickly as I turned it on because the Sox just didn't have it at the beginning of that game. And I knew based off Twitter that I had seen that if I kept watching that game, I probably would have less hair than I have right now, which, as you guys can clearly see on the Shy Sox Weekly end, that I don't have that much hair left. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't miss Despagne whatsoever. You know, the Sox need to quit giving these guys and I and I mean what it is is Despagne and Cease had very mirrorable numbers leading into Despagne's they call did. up. They really did, which is really and scary. You don't want to burn an option on Cease for him to come up and put up Despagne numbers and then have to send him back down to go figure some shit out opposed to a dude that is almost 30 or maybe even over 30. I honestly don't know much of this dude's background. I just know that he... 31? 31, yeah. And all I know is the Reds cut him. The Reds cut him. Yeah, from their minor league system. From their minor league system. That's not hot. So since then, and we didn't even put it in the news. We probably should have. This is my fault because I was the one that put out the uh, layout for the the episode this week. I'd mentioned it briefly. Hector Santiago, you did? Oh, no, no, no. Okay, Santiago there. Yeah, no, I thought you were talking about the DFA. Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, no, they DFA'd him. But since the DFA, after the the Mets DFA'd Hector Santiago, the fucking Mets, a team that's 37 and 44, very similar record to us. We're sitting at 37 and 41 right now. DFA'd a guy that hasn't even made a start at the major league level, especially since he left the White Sox. So... Here's a guy in his third tour on the south side who's definitely not going to pan out. I'm not even going to say probably not going to pan out. He's definitely not going to pan out. But it's just showing, like, the front office's view on this year's ball club. They're just trying to fill spots at this point with veteran guy. I mean, if you're if you're trying to fill a spot with a veteran guy, go fucking sign James Shields at this point, for real. I would. I mean, much that might make James that might make Cherizy happy. Cherizy just came in his pants, so. <laughs> We're having a good time here on Shy Sox Weekly. Um, other than that, Tony just like spit up his beer. <laughs> oh, other, other than that, I am 100% over talking about the Rangers series because like I had said earlier, the last six games were 2-4 and four but could very easily be 5-1. and one. Um, In that game, from the condensed game that I had watched, it looked like the Sox started to rally. They were down, I think it was 5 to nothing, maybe 5-1. to one. And they started to put up a little bit of a rally, and I think at the eighth inning, Yonder Alonso comes up to bat with runners on the corners, grounds into an inning inning double play. And he is still continuing to get to get at bats. Tony has this crazy theory, not even crazy at this point, probably the right theory, that once Yonder Alonso's little fucking bowling charity event is done, the Sox are gonna deuce his ass too. 
which would be awesome. I, I don't I think I don't even think that that theory is too that theory is not too crazy at this point. There's no excuse for him to be on this team right now. Is not there, guys? All. Like, no. I mean, it's besides bad for his career. Yeah, this is this is the worst that he's ever played in the major. The worst. I, I don't understand it. You know, I even wrote this article earlier in the year uh, about why he's still here and that he would probably improve to career norms or at least start to ascend to, and he hasn't started to. There's, nope. you know, there's no, I, I don't even know if there's a chance for him to get back to that point. Because the Sox can't be that dumb to give him enough at-bats to, to get his option to best, unless yeah, you so guys think that they're <laughs> they're actually going to do that. I believe the number, I want to say, it was in an ONTAP article not too long ago. Um, I want to say the number is 552. I do believe that's the magic number. Um, So the limiting that they started, a good first step to not getting there. Um, But, yeah, you got to hope that uh, he's held out or a move is made after, like you had mentioned, Tony, that, said charity bowling event I, I do think that's a good theory and uh now that i think that after you had said that that's starting to surface a little more and people are seeing that and just you know for justification of why he's still around um it's it's very plausible i i'm not gonna say it's 100 percent true until it actually happens because you know we don't know we're just speculating but for something like that uh event with the community you don't want to just end that like just well, he's at he's it. at 250 at bats right now. I don't think he sees another 250, especially with Zach Collins up here. And you know we haven't even gotten to listener questions. I already know what one of them is going to be. Um, you know, there's plenty of options at DH besides Yonder Alonso. He's also not exactly yep. done things in the field that have warranted him starting at first base. So nope. I don't think that there's any way that he gets to that number. I think that the White Sox are smart enough. And if if they're not smart enough to do that and limit his at bats, we've got real major problems that we need to that we need to discuss on this show, and that everybody needs to discuss, especially Rick Hahn in that situation, because there's no way you want to let that option vest. No, yeah, honestly, Yonder Alonso can get DFA'd at that. What's he on contract till until through next year, or is he just a this year guy? I can't even remember. Option that vests. Okay. Yeah, fuck that. Is it a player option or a club option? <laughs> I believe it's team. If it's the team option, the team better option his ass off the fuck into the moon. And Janda is frozen right now. He gone! I gotta get a screenshot of him frozen too. There it is. There it is. This is the perfect Janda is frozen right now screenshot. I don't know if he's still even on the call. It's probably gonna drop him. <laughs> Yeah, so apparently I am the type of guy to get a laptop and not know that the charger's plugged in or not. So my laptop just died, and that's why I just cut out mid-sentence. But it's probably for the best because I was probably just rambling on about some irrelevant-ass shit. So moving on, the White Sox ended up dropping two of three to the Boston Red Sox, which was a very winnable series, not only in its own right, but was a very sweepable series. The White Sox had the lead in all three games to start off so we don't even have to really talk about the two losses they happened and they were while they were heartbreaking in their own right i am much so more rather willing to talk about 
today's game in which the Sox actually played hero for once. So we talked about it a little bit before. It was a 7-6 ball game going into the ninth inning. What had happened was Leary Garcia hit a leadoff single. Um, there was a failed hit and run. It was a failed hit and run. He was Pretty telling. much. And uh, it, it was close, but apparently uh, Bogarts got Lurie on the shoulder. So, it, I mean, it was close, and I do think he was out. Um, so then, you know, you're thinking down in the dumps already immediately, even though that's only one out. It's like, shit, we're just wasting base runners now. But Yulmer uh, hit a single to right, and then Jose came up for an epic at-bat, guys. Yeah, this at-bat is probably one of the better at-bats that we've seen out of any White Sox player all year outside of the Eloy going yard against the Cubs. Um, just continued to battle, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many pitches it went, but he hit so many foul balls. Ten, he just so yeah, ten, does it. Ten, I'll give you the numbers here. So it was a 10-pitch at-bat with two. So after the first ball, two pickoffs attempts, and then uh, Jose ended up fouling off six pitches six pitches fouled off all i remember is being able to make it from like 35th street on the dan ryan to about 75th street during that at bat in rush hour traffic the thing <laughs> seemed to last forever dude, and, it did for i mean watching on tv too I dude, was like, it, oh it literally felt like this thing was gonna go on forever and all i kept saying to myself while i'm sitting here in the car and this was going on was He's going to end up striking out because this is what always happens to us. And if it wasn't the White Sox at bat, you know that the, the like an opponent would fucking end up hitting a home run or taking the lead back. This seemed like one of those times where we flipped the script and actually were the team to ruin somebody else's day. Which hasn't been the White Sox motto. I mean, even though we've we've done it a few times this year, this hasn't been the White Sox motto over the past four or five years. It's here and there. You, yeah, you get your game against uh, Detroit with the Timmy walk off we had referenced earlier um, in the game that Eli was injured in. Uh, you know that whole crazy run around first. Uh, I can think of the Nicky Delmonico walk off um, against Boston, the first game of that series, and then we. Proceeded to you know shit lose three in a row. yeah lose three in a row right after that uh, was really embarrassing the game but uh, it, it is I think Tony you're onto something here that it, it is very few and far between for this White Sox team and it is so so refreshing when we flip that script and we are the ones uh, being the uh, you know uh, it, uh, the hero and we have a hero on our team and uh, that was Jose Abreu today guys. Jose Abreu is one of those guys that got an all-star snub. You know, we had talked about it briefly earlier, but the White Sox could very much so have... I mean, Giolito's going to make it. We already know that. He could potentially even start the all-star game, which would be fucking awesome for the White Sox, but the pitcher voting hasn't even really started yet. Um, McCann is the only guy that ended up making it into the actual second tier of voting. I think, I mean... I don't like the fan vote, but I like how they've kind of broken it into two parts this year. I understand that aspect, but the fan vote needs to go. Because here you have a guy in Yohan Mankata that's hitting over 300, who has the power numbers of better than any Sox third baseman that I've seen since Joe Creedy. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. And he's got like an 800-plus OPS. And then you got guys like... 
on the National League side, you got guys like fucking Albert Almora who are in the final ballot who are hitting 240 with like a 620 OPS. I don't. It's just embarrassing for the sport. You know, people say don't care about the All-Star game. I care about the All-Star game because at the end of the day, the All-Star game is a must-see television event, but the Sox are getting snubbed left and right in the All-Star ballot, and it hurts to see that just because the catcher position is so thin that we're seeing a guy that's having a, not only a career year, but maybe an integral part in the White Sox being as good as they are because he's so commanding of the pitching staff and James McCann being the only position player that's making it to the final vote. That hurts. So Jose proved this series with double after double, home run after home run. I think he hit two home runs and two doubles against the Red Sox. That, you know, the fan vote needs to go. So moving on, um, we're going to get to our listener questions, and then we're going to wrap this up. So we're going to start off with... Um, I'm drinking warm, warm Budweiser's at this point in time. That's hurtful. I honestly grabbed my girlfriend's uh, Seagram's Escaped Spiked Jamaican Me Happy is what it's called. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Put that right up to the... Yeah, Yeah, there you go. They're Jamaican Me Happy right now because we've been recording for an hour plus and I was already like six beers deep and I honestly ran out of liquor, so I've just been crushing my girlfriend's liquor. She's just going to love that shit. She's going to be like, I'm going to stop putting beer or alcohol in your fridge, but moving on. Jonda will not have a girlfriend in the morning. Yeah, it might not. So, Oh, fuck, Crack that's em. my phone. All right, <laughs> so my our first listener question comes from an on-tap sports writer himself. It's going to be from a DJ... Uh, DJ wants to know your best tavern style thin crust pizza that you can find in the city. So I'm not going to lie. I don't go to the city often, so I'm going to go with a local place, but I'll let you guys answer first. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm with you. I'm not a huge, uh, city guy. Usually when I'm in the city, it is four white Sox games and, uh, I got to go, you know, you're you're going local. I'm, I'm going local here too, because there was one, uh, down in my suburb, um, for the longest time growing up before uh, a different uh, pizza chain had bought the location out. But uh, Aurelio's, um, I think that uh, was just a staple of my childhood. So I got to go with that. I can't they, say I've sampled too much. Uh, other than that, like, you know, actual like in the city places, one location, uh, mom and pop places. But um, I did like I did enjoy Aurelio's growing up. They potentially have the best crust of all time. It's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Aurelio's, hmm. Uh, you know, I've got to go Palermo's, dude. Neighbors, Palermo's, yeah. Palermo's is the best. Uh, original right there, 95th. Uh, Palermo's, hands down. So I have been to an Aurelio's in the city. <clears throat> I've been to, like, Giordano's and Home Run and all the, like, commercial places. There's this place by me. It's called Chicago Pizza Authority in Elgin, right off of Route 58. I used to be a huge Dominic's pizza guy, which was an East Dundee, which, I mean, if if you understand where that's at and you're listening to this podcast, like, DM me because we are fucking, we are geographically close, my guy. But Chicago Pizza Authority, you can go ahead and you can get, my, my go-to is pepperoni, Italian beef, and jardinier on a thin crust slice. Absolutely phenomenal. You cannot beat it, so... Moving on, we have got um, 
ISU Reppin at ISU Reppin twelve. Uh, that's Austin Jake. He wanted to know. That's not Austin. Trade... Wait, 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 wait. Oh no, 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 no! It's not. No, it's not. That's a different Austin. Different Austin. Yes. His name is Austin G. I don't know his last fucking name. Um, he wanted to know. <laughs> I know a couple of Twitter Austin. He wanted to know trade deadline. Who are you willing to part with for fair deals? And then who was in touch? Who is untouchable? Tony, I'm gonna let you take that away first. Um, the first person that I'm gonna list as untouchable is Alex Calame. Um, I've been on. I've been on the uh, Alex Calame's untouchable train all year. Um, guys, I mean, even though he he got roughed up a little bit today in the eighth inning, other than that, this guy's been phenomenal all year for the White Sox. I love Alex Calame as our closer. I think that he needs to stick around. He seems to like playing here. He seems to like closing ball games. Untouchable, in my opinion. Clinton Cole will argue with me till he's blue in the face, but I'm not trading this guy. I've said it a million times. We're going to have to go out and reacquire another closer. As good as Aaron Bummer and Evan Marshall have both been in the bullpen, I don't trust them in the ninth inning. Let them continue to do what they're doing. There is nothing wrong with having five or six options in your bullpen to get you through the last four innings of a ballgame. You can shorten a game that way. It's just such an asset to have a guy who has experience closing, who knows how to do it, and has great stuff. Alex Calame, untouchable. Second name, Jose Abreu, untouchable right now. We saw his at-bat today. We've seen what he's done for the White Sox over the course of his career in the States. I don't want to see this guy traded. I've seen some stuff about, hey, why not go talk to Jose Abreu about re-signing with us in the offseason, trade him now, and have a handshake deal with him over the offseason. Guys, you can't just go do that. When a guy gets traded, goes to another club, you never know what they're going to say to him. You can't have handshake deals. Those things don't exactly always work out. Um, I think Jose the only Abreu... person I've seen that happen with in my lifetime was like Carlos Santana. Yeah, there's there's no there's no reason to go, um, you know, try and re-sign him if you trade him. In my opinion, if you're going to trade him and you don't want to re-sign him. Just get it done, get him out of here, whatever. I don't care. But I think that he is too valuable to this club. Um, I hate this. This is a meatball take. But, you know, you talk about what he's done for Yohan Moncada, Eloy Jimenez, all these other guys who have come up um, in the system so far. You're not done yet. You've got Luis Robert. Um, you've got a few other guys who are coming up here. He should be there through this. He's put his time in with the White Sox. Um, Johnny, you know, we talk about this on Four Feathers. I think it sucks that Brent Seabrook got this sweetheart deal uh, for his past performance. If there's one guy that the Sox are going to keep around through this rebuild, I think it should be Jose Abreu. I think he should still be here um, when this team is is competing. Um, I know he's on the the elder side uh, of this group of uh, this group of guys, and I know we've got plenty of first base options. I know there's plenty of options to play at DH2. He doesn't exactly fit in the long-term plan, but if you can get him on a three-year deal, I think you do it. I don't think you want to trade this guy. You're not going to get back 
what he's worth to this club while he's on it, and that's why I wouldn't trade him. You're not getting a top 100 prospect for Jose Abreu. It's not worth it. That production that he's providing this team and can provide this team is nowhere near what you're going to get back in value. You're going to end up getting one of these reliever types, a Manny Banuelos for him, and I think that totally under is not enough for the White Sox to make that kind of move. Don't do it. Yeah, so I think you touched on a good point at the end of your um, your speech there, Tony. When you're talking about the types that we're going to get back for these guys. So, Austin, to answer your question here, it, it is tough because a fair deal for me, I, I don't want any more Cody Medeiros. I don't want any more Ryan Cordell. I don't want any more. I'm sorry. I, I do think he's a good guy, but I don't want any more Charlie Tilson types. Nope. Just that type. I don't want that, and that is what these teams are just willing to offer at this point. If someone absolutely blows you away for Jose Abreu, um, I would be open to it um, just because of the depth that is behind and all the possible first base DH types uh, that you know could be in our near future here. Um, that is the one reason why, um, you know, Tony, I guess I'm just playing a little devil's advocate. I love Jose, too. He's one of my favorite players on the if team. You're, here's um, the thing. If you're giving me, like, a Nick Senzel to come in here, major league-ready talent, a major league-ready player to come in for Alex Colome or Jose Abreu, yeah, I'd probably do it. But they've got to be a prospect who's rookie-eligible in the major leagues, already producing, and looks like a guy who's got it already figured out then it's okay, but you're not going to get that. And I feel like Rick Hahn would, would pu- probably pull the trigger on one of those Charlie Tilson types. I don't want to see that happen. I, I don't either. So it's this is what makes this a hard question. Um, I don't think that there's going to be any fair deals out there for at least what we want. I know we're trying to be greedy here um, if we're going to give up any of these guys. Um, I would say, you know, if someone's going after Calvin Herrera, if someone's going after a... Uh, um, you know, if they're going to blow you away for Aaron Bummer, which I doubt. Once again, I doubt. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think the return's going to be there. Um, I I think those guys would be worth trading. I know the Cardinals just had Jordan Hicks go down. Uh, he's going to be Tommy John. So are they trying to acquire a closer? But then again, they traded away a lot of their top guys to get Paul Goldschmidt in the off season. So they're not exactly flush with those top almost ready guys there. Um, I would be hesitant, and uh, it's about that time. You know, Tony, I kind of I don't give a shit if it's a meatball take, whatever. Um, I'm kind of there with you where I don't want to – we're going to have to get another closer anyway. What, Zach Birdie just fell off the face of the earth. Sure, he's rehabbing in single A, but, you know, he was almost MLB ready. This could be a whole different story if he's in there in your closer role um, or, or ready to come up and produce right now. But, no, he's not. Um, so I would say, honestly, to me – uh, I'm going to have to double up and say Kyle May is probably the untouchable, and I'd be more willing to part with a Jose Abreu, uh, as weird as that sounds. But that, that's just where I am at. I 100% agree with you, Johnny. It's like it's a matter of contract-wise who you're willing to part with. Kyle May is locked down on contract through next year as my girlfriend comes home and calls me out for drinking all of her alcohol, and now she's pissed. So just wanted to point that out. But... Kalame is going nowhere. Rough if Kalame goes somewhere, I'm going to be upset. I am going to be very fucking upset. The only person I would be willing to part ways with is what's, when's the trade deadline? It's July like, 29th, right? Every year? Some shit 30th, like that. 31st. Close enough. 
Here's a good question for Shyshak Janda right now. How many days are in July? 31, because June's 30. Right? That's how that goes? Or am I... Correct. <laughs> I'm not... You're right. Quit second-guess yourself. Ding, 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 ding. making me second-guess myself. I'm fucking hammered, dude. That's the point. We're trying to fuck with you. All right, so basically we got this major. Hold on, I'm about to. I'm about. To, I got the wall calendar for a fucking reason. There he goes. We got a huge home stretch coming up <laughs> towards the end of July. We got Miami, Minnesota, and the Mets. The fucking Mets, dude. We got the fucking Mets coming up. So basically, what it is 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 how many games can we win before we get to the Marlins series, which starts July 22nd. And I want to say it's either the 29th, the 30th, or the 31st. We're going to be at home against New York. If Colome leaves then, I will literally tape myself to the fucking plaza statue. <laughs> I swear to God. He ain't doing it. I, he's not going anywhere, dude. If he goes somewhere, I am giving up on this White Sox front office because, like you guys just said, they're going to give him up for a Cordell type. They're going to give him up for a... I don't even know how you pronounced it earlier, Johnny. Never heard it said. I, I've always said Cody Medeiros, Medeiros, fucking whatever. Exactly. That's it. Probably never going to see him at the major league level. If we do, I'd be astonished. And that's just a matter of White Sox trade deadline moves. Over. I mean, Joaquin Soria is already pitching for the fucking athletics. We got rid of him for dudes that we got from the Brewers. That's just a matter of trade deadline essence right there. So, no, I don't want to give up anybody, but if the price is right, Jose Abreu. Other than that, maybe even Larry Garcia. I don't know how many. I I know. Johnny was afraid to say it. I apologize. But I think the contract through next year, if I'm not mistaken, right? There's the so with the thing with Lurie is um, I'd have to look up the co- exact contract situation, but there is there's there's such a lower value for that. Um, I mean, we're talking like top ceiling guys here, and we're you know we're talking Ryan Cordell types for like you know what realistically we're gonna get back. Like shit for a Lurie, you're you're getting even lower than that, um, and, and that's just like whatever. He, in with look at injuries to two guys on the left side of the infield who comes in and fills in at short, Lurie Garcia. I mean. It's nice to have a versatile guy like that. Um, so I mean, I'm I am very you know I like I love him love him. I got his jersey. Here's the thing: uh, if you could guy. if you could trade Yolmer Sanchez for something, I'll just take pennies on the dollar. That's the guy that I could see, or I would be okay with trading for a reasonable deal because a reasonable deal for him is something that you'd probably get around for Lure Garcia. And just let Jose Rondon play second base. I don't care at this point in time. Get re- if you if you're yeah. gonna make a trade, go ahead and do that. If you're trying to flip somebody for prospects, mm-hmm. if you can get rid of Yolmer Sanchez, go ahead. The less I see of Jose Rondon, the better. Get used oh, to fuck. him. My laptop's about to die again. At least it warned me this time. Hold on. Oh man. No, we're good. All right. All right. So Next we're question. gonna move on. That was a great question. We're gonna move on to uh, drunk. Shy Sox fan. That's going to be Steve-O, one of the co-hosts of the Sons of Honarchy podcast. He asked us, unrelated to baseball, favorite food to eat while intoxicated slash drunk. I'm just going to go off on a very quick response. It's going to be tacos or burritos. That's that's it for me. Like, pizza maybe, but I'm a big taco guy when I'm fucking sloshed. I like candy a lot too, so we don't need to get into that. You can clearly tell off that 
picture that you posted on the Shy Sox Weekly Twitter, but let's let's hear it from you guys. Fried chicken all day. I love it. Big fried chicken guy. Chicken and spice. That's where you're going, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, if I had a choice, but I'll, honestly, I'd take any fried chicken if I'm hammered. Uh, I got to go with. Don't live any near taquerias, do you? Because uh, no, like I, I, I'm, I, I like Mexican, but I got to go White Castles because I know that you're the next lying. Morning... Oh, that was my first job ever, Tone. I know. Okay, hundred percent. So... Sixteen years old, worked at White Castle. I know how to make a whole crave case. I know how to spit in your shit too. <sighs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> He's like fuck. White Castles on the way home from a Sox game after you're hammered is the best shit ever, in my opinion. I don't know well, if it's just maybe good. just like the smell just reminds me of the ballpark, but or if it's just conveniently located when you get off of uh, I-80 at LaGrange and you can get off there, stop at a White Castle, hit back onto the highway. White Castles, definitely a great, great food to eat while you're drunk. You will regret it in the morning. Because Pepper it just Jack compounds the problem. But White Castles is my go-to. Pepper Jack cheese or American? You get, like, the jalapeno sliders? Oh, I know you're dude, a big jalapeno dude. guy. The A1 steak burger was a thing of beauty when they had There's a spider on my floor. I'm going to kill it. Hold on. God damn it. <laughs> I didn't even kill it. Fuck! It's just scurrying. All right, hold it's on. It's just scurrying. You guys, you guys, you have the questions pulled up, so pull up the next question while I kill this fucking spider. God damn it. Off the rails here. White Sox Sal asks, <laughs> why doesn't Eloy DH once in a while? Risky for a catcher to DH. If he had to catch, we would lose DH spot, and the pitcher would bat. Assuming he's talking about We've done that here. twice this year. I know yeah. the answer is because Alonzo sucks, but that's messed up. Is what White Sox Sal says. So um, I need to marinate on this one for a second. So well, if you guys White have Sox a response, Sal, I'll let you know. We got the uh, prospect version of Yonder Alonzo and Zach Collins on the twenty-five man roster right now. So you're going to see him in the DH spot a Did lot you more just frequently. Compare Zach Collins to Yonder Alonzo. I think they're two totally different players. Just in <laughs> my opinion. With- no, Collins honestly has a phenomenal eye, especially when it comes to facing right-hand pitchers. But we saw it firsthand. Collins looks lost at the place, ugh, lost at the plate facing lefty. Say that ten times fast. You will literally lost run yourself into a yeah. fucking wall. Yeah, yeah. I can't do it either. No, hundred percent. Lost so, at the plate facing lefties. There you go. Do it, you got it. nine more times though. Go. Third time lost straight. at the plate facing lefties. Lost at the plate facing lefties. Lost at the plate facing lefties. Lost right, at the plate facing you're lefties. Clearly too sober for this episode of Shy Sex with me. So moving on, um, I want to say Eloy should see some DH time, especially on days where we're trying to give him quote unquote rest, because he's a bat that you want to see in your lineup regardless of handing. I'm tired of seeing you. him pulled in late inning situations for defensive replacements. Whether he should just whether he should just be the DH. I agree with Sal. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So Sal, Sal is on the right track here. Um, I would like to. I mean, and honestly, we probably will see it over here's, the next couple of weeks. Here's another Eli question that I just want to throw out there: Is Eli focused enough to play in the field? He's just too happy. Yes. No, no, no. I'm, this is a serious question. I had a kid like this on my on my six, seven-year-old team. You know, decent hitter. Smiling all the time. Smiling all the time, always happy. Losing, but then, you know, you like, you stick him in the outfield, and he's totally unengaged. Lupus you know? from the bad news bears. 
Yeah, d- d- dude. Like, okay, we've we've been at games before. Eloy loves Eloy loves Eloy. You know, he's he's. I literally was in one sixty two like against. It was like a Tuesday night national series. I literally like. You know, normally if you want to get a player's attention, you yell it like five, six, fucking seven, eight times. The, the first time like, right, you whatever. scream his name, he's first looking at you. Like, he turned around. He goes, "Yeah, exactly." <laughs> like, you know, like great. Well, that goes back to the, the the game we were at, Johnny. Somebody screams out, he's like, Eloy, Modelo, or Bud yep. Light, buddy. You know, and he's yep. he's interacting with the fan. I'm all for Eloy being Eloy. But at the same point in time, I just feel like when he's in the field, I don't know if the focus is all there. You know, like he's he just seems like overwhelmed with everything that's going on around him. And he loves being in that situation. And it's just like... Then all of a sudden, like we saw the play earlier this week, where the ball drops on the foul line, and he didn't even make a, an attempt to catch the ball. You know, like he just kind of looks lost. And this is something that Clinton mentioned to us last year. He's like, "You guys are going to get a real kick out of Eloy playing outfield." To me, Eloy is better served as the long-term DH of this of this ball club. And if you want to turn that back into Zach Collins. Zach Collins doesn't really have a spot on this team if he's not catching every day. Or playing first base. Or but... playing first base. But then if we go back and we bring that to Jose Abreu, they've, they've got a We're problem. We're going to have to burn an option to go use Zach Collins at first base, like, period, in AAA. So, I mean, I don't know. I understand where Zach, you're coming from. I, I will... I will tell uh, White Sox Sal this. Zach Collins has been taking uh, practice reps at first base, so uh, that's just something to look out for. News tidbit I saw, I believe it was James Fegan uh, that had mentioned that, and it was uh, not not the first time. Doesn't this just signify the fact that the Sox do not plan on extending Jose Abreu? Yeah, I mean, if Jose's asking for too uh, much money, I wouldn't extend him either, but... Jose Abreu's are hard to come by, especially the caliber of clubhouse guy that he is and run producer that he has been as of late, especially the whole time he's been with the Sox. Ever, I mean, Jose Abreu's been our guy since Canerco left, has he not? He's been our RBI guy. He's been our home run guy. He's been that number three, number four hitter that we were so accustomed. I mean, I we and I said it on a Shy Sox Weekly episode months ago we have been spoiled the whole time we've been white Sox fans at the first base slash i mean i'm not gonna say throw the dh in there the first base position for the whole time that i've been around i grew up watching frank thomas when frank thomas wasn't that great anymore i grew up watching paul canerco take over the reins and play phenomenally and ever since paul canerco's left we've seen jose abreu be nothing short of great so we're spoiled. We're a spoiled franchise at the first base position. Not everybody gets that. Growing up, I played first base. So I understand it's not the easiest position to play, but at the same time, it's not the hardest position to play. You just have to know how to fucking pick a ball. And at the same time, we have seen our guys that have played first base be clubhouse voices. So it's clearly like a team captain type position in terms of the White Sox organization. Yeah, but good, good good points all around there, John. I just want to, uh, uh, Sal. I hate to answer a question with a question, but um, that may become: Are they uh, clearing out Jose Abreu? You know, they haven't extended him yet. Maybe they're seeing uh, what the trade value could look like here. I could see you, um, and then, 
So, yeah, that's, I mean, this is just relating back to his question. Um, will it eventually be an Eloy at a first base slash DH position with the Zach Collins there? Um, you never know. I said Zach Collins is already taking reps there. I think they want to test Eloy out in the outfield for as long as possible in a season like this. Um, I guess they figure might as well. Um, as much as Tony says, he looks distracted, lost, whatever it may be. So, uh We'll see, man. It's it's a very intriguing period, and this next month is going to be a telltale because, you know, if they hang on to Jose Abreu, they're extending him. That's my guess. All right. Well, we got two more listener questions. We appreciate the submission sale. You've been a little quiet on our front the last, like, couple weeks. We haven't heard from you in a little while, and you are, what I would like to say, the biggest Shy Sox Weekly fan out there. So... We're going to move on to uh, Sean Roberts, a former guest of Shy Sox Weekly, submitted a question. And this one's about me, so I'm not going to read it and sit here and toot my own horn. So I'll let one of you guys read it, and then I'll answer it because it's mostly for me. All right, so will Shy Sox Janda chug a beer with Sean Roberts on Saturday? I will chug a beer anywhere, anytime. I don't care if I'm at work. I'll step out. I will chug a beer with whoever. If Sean Roberts wants to chug a beer with me, I pose the question to you. Will you chug two beers with me, Sean Roberts? Like, I will pose I, another question. Will Sean Roberts punch Shy Sox Janda in the face? I hope he's Saturday? not the inaugural face punch. I mean, I have earned plenty of face punches throughout my sports fandom career. So I hope he's not the guy i mean i'm pretty sure he said he's bringing his girlfriend to the tailgate so that's not a good look for a girl that it seems like he has most recently started dating sean you're my boy i will definitely chug a beer with you whatever beer you choose to chug i'll probably fucking destroy you in a beer chug no i'm not gonna what no yeah i'll go that far i'll probably i mean especially if i'm drunk enough i can down a fucking 12 ounce beer in like a second and a half so yeah i'll chug a beer with you sean if you want to make it a contest I'll the stopwatch then. It's okay. got to be officiated. Donnie's going to be there. I'm just going to be ignorant about it. I still have a picture of, of me, Johnny, Dave, and Lauren Nisavet. So you've got, a, you've got a picture of a bunch of people chugging beers. Shotgunning a shotgun beer. Shotgunning some booze. I, I, I would like to think I won that shotgun contest because that was a screen grab from a video. My where favorite Chai It was more so me and Johnny. We destroyed Dave. Dave, eh. my, my favorite we, picture is or video is you trying to shotgun, and it's, as soon as you pop the hole, it just spills all over your pants. All over me, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, First Shy Sox weekly tailgate of this year. That was yep. great times. And then, and then, what did you say, Johnny? You're like, that's tough. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Use, yeah. <laughs> no, that was the jello shot one. I said, use the tongue. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, but, boy. Uh, but yeah. All right, so um, that's going to bring I us to I feel like Jake last... Berger should be at the next uh, at the next tailgate. Show well, you, John. The camera that the White Sox provide him. Yes. 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 He'll bring his way. He'll bring his ass all the way up from Arizona just to get lit with the guys. You know, Jake Burgers. Jake Burger is one of the guys. So um, that's going to bring us to our last question. I want to go ahead and give this individual a shout out for being not only one of the biggest OnTap Sportsnet followers since OnTap Sportsnet has become a thing, but being one of the biggest Shy Sox Janda followers out there. 
Um, we're going to go ahead and give a shout out to Millsman89. That's going to be Jordan Miller. You know, you saved the best for. Oh my God. I just threw up in my mouth. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> oh my God. That tastes like shit. All right. We're going to go ahead and give Millsman89, Jordan Miller, the man himself, a shout out. Uh, he wants to know trade deadline possible moves. We essentially had already answered that. Um,. Johnny and I are kind of in the firm boat of if the Sox are going to move anybody, um, Jose Abreu, the man himself, would probably be the keynote name of the trade deadline for the White Sox. Um, Colome is obviously an option. Tony's probably going to punch me in the face, but it is an option. I don't want to see him go. I would love to see him work that contract all the way through, and maybe the Sox even extend him if he keeps putting up numbers like this. Other than that, you got the smaller guys like Yolmer, Leury, um, maybe even like Aaron Bummer. I don't see the Sox trying to get rid of some like a reclamation project like that. Um, but you guys can go ahead and take it away. Who do you guys think that could be a possible move at the trade deadline? If um, Mr. Miller wants me to get, um, you know, just throw out a wild prediction here, I. Uh, so this may be a little biased. I uh, I follow the St. Louis Cardinals fairly closely, one, because they are Cubs rival, and uh, fuck the Cubs. But uh, second of all, my sister lives down in St. Louis. I have some cousins who are big Cardinals fans. Um, I do like the way that um, they go about their business. Matt Carpenter is one of my favorite players, so I pay fairly close attention to them. Uh, Jordan Hicks, their uh, elite, you know, at least elite arm, uh, at the back end of their bullpen there. Uh, he's got a UCL tear, go, undergoing Tommy John surgery, shut down for the season. If they are still looking to try and stay in that NL Central tight race uh, where it is, the Cubs just can't seem to uh, claw ahead by any means, even though the Brewers have been on a downswing over the past uh, couple of weeks and the Cardinals are just kind of hanging around there. Um, they've had a little bit of a rough go of it over the past two series that they've played in. But... Um, if uh, the Cardinals are trying to give up uh, an MLB talent, someone that is already in the show, because looking at their pipeline here, you know, you got Alex Reyes, Nolan Gorman, Andrew uh, Kinsner, that's uh, like our blogger, Andrew Kinsler, uh, Dakota Hudson, all these guys, you know, I, I don't know if they, first of all, if they would be willing to part with them, but if they're willing to part with someone from the big league club, like they did Tommy Pham last year, I know there were some uh, differences managerially, um, but you know, if they're willing to give up a solid piece of their major league club for an Alex Calme and they feel like they need to bolster that back end of the bullpen because that's been biting them in the ass for a while, um, I would say look out for that, Mills man. I like how you dropped the look out for that. Um, I don't want to say Alex Calame and Jose Abreu just because they're the obvious options. Um, I think I kind of hinted at this earlier. If you could get rid of Yolmer Sanchez for some sort of anything, I think you'd do that. Um, but I also think that there's a chance that they can trade McCann. Um, I know this will come off a little bit hot here, but um, if you're not going to extend him, he's the prime tra- trade candidate on this team. Uh, everybody's always looking for catching. Um, he's had a great year so far. If you're going to get something for somebody who's really productive and maybe sell high on somebody, I think McCann's a prime candidate. As much as I did not like the McCann signing at the beginning of the season, I, I can't argue that he is 
one of the best catchers that we've had since AJ Brzezinski on the south side. Um, you do have Zach Collins. Best got, defensively. Yes, by defensively. Far. Um, pitch framing, everything. Uh, offensively as well. He's standout. Um, this is a prime sell high candidate right here that you have an option to do uh, at move at a trade deadline that people are going to want. So, you know, I can't. I can't say that I'd be all too happy with it. I think he's got a chance to stick around here for a year or two. But you've also got the opportunity to go out and, and make a free agent signing or ride with Zach Collins and Sebi Zavala next year. Um, you can't get rid of Wellington Castillo. I don't think he's tradable. But you could ride out the rest of this year with Wellington Castillo and Zach Collins behind the plate. Um, so I think that Brian McCann is expendable in the White Sox eyes. can. Yeah, We're just gonna start calling added. you Steve Stone because he made the same slip up today yes. after a McCann RBI. That's you know, Stone's second time calling James McCann on Chai Sox Weekly. Chai Sox Weekly, yeah. So but I fucked up hard last week, so I mean I'll let it slide, but continue. Yeah, go ahead. So I, I I'm you know we're two hours into this already. I, I think that it's okay that I made a slip up, but that's just me. Um, I think that McCann is expendable in the White Sox eyes. Um, and, you know, that's a guy that you can move and maybe get something back for. It'll probably be a Cordell type, but if if that's what they go with, I think that he's he's a prime candidate to be traded. All right, Jordan, we want to appreciate you for showing us some love. Uh, moving on, let's get the eye on the opponents, Johnny, and then let's, ra- let's wrap this bad boy up. Like Tony just said, we're at two hours. We were trying to shoot for like a 45-minute episode, so Shy Sox Weekly off the rails, everybody. Off the rails once again, per usual. All right, I on the opponents real quick. Uh, back home, finally, um, after this road trip that they were in Texas, Boston, for uh, three-game set with the Twins starts on Friday. Um, they, you know, the, the Twins are uh, one of the best teams in the American League, no denying that. It, it is, uh, you know, we, we're thinking about calling this episode the gauntlet because that's what it is. You know, you're playing a Red Sox team that, sure, they're not playing up to their potential, but they're still dangerous um you come off playing them texas hovering around a wild card spot doesn't get any easier with the twins coming into town starting friday um friday saturday sunday three game series uh shy Sox, Janda, myself and possibly tony i uh, don't know for sure if he's confirmed or not yet but we will most likely be out at the ballpark on saturday so if you are in the lot uh lot b for uh barstool at the park you should come out and uh you know, drink, drink a few beers with us. It'll be a good time. Uh, other than that, you know, uh, bullpen day is supposed to be Friday or a call-up. So we will see. Um, uh, that is just something to keep an eye on for that series. And then, um, you know, four games in three days against the Tigers. We had one that was rained out earlier in the season. Um, unfortunately, it was a bobblehead day, so all the people that like to collect uh, my sack summer shout-out, um, they'll have to get there early on that uh, July 3rd, I believe that is, uh, day before the 4th. So, uh, yeah. That's going to be a four-game set, uh, one of those doubleheader. And, uh, you know, that'll be a good, uh, nice alleviation of the uh, gauntlet that we've been in, guys. Um, I I think the Tigers have been trending downward. I saw a visual representation on the White Sox Reddit of the standings throughout the year. And, you know, Kansas City's just been straight, basically downward uh, since the very beginning. And the Tigers are kind of stag- stagnating from uh, down by the Royals level and up and down and up and down again. And now they are tanking back down and almost about to surpass the Royals there. 
in that um, bottom of the AL Central, which is probably the worst division in baseball. Not even probably, it is the worst division in baseball. So um, th- I think the Tiger Series will be a big one to uh, reboot some confidence and also a good time to get some wins. Uh, and they come at a good time if Tim Anderson and, uh, you know, if Juan Moncada is going to be out for any more extended period of time. We obviously don't know the extent of that injury there. But um, I think that'll be a. a a good bounce back for whatever happens this weekend. And it'll actually, it'll be great to build on that. If we do get, uh, you know, I would love to take two or three from the twins. Honestly, realistic prediction though. I do think we're probably only taking one this weekend against the twins. Um, they are just that damn good. Uh, we got absolutely, uh, killed when we got up there in, uh, the end of May, the Memorial day weekend. That was, was uh, not fun. That was, no, awful. that was awful. They, did, they didn't think, even they didn't even show up. They didn't even I show think, up then. I so. think the Twins scored at least seven runs in each of those ball games. And you, no, you're not wrong, Johnny. Um, the Tigers at, through 75 games, they just bit the fuck out of my tongue. I'm over tonight. Oh my god. Ugh. I think the Tigers are tw- they're 26 and 49 through 75 games, and for some weird reason, the Royals have played 81 games, which because that's baseball. They're 28 and 53, so they're just about as equally as awful. Um, all I want to know is if Gordon Beckham is still playing for the Tigers. Is that still a thing? Yes. Anybody? That is still a thing. I think so. For the most part, right? I mean, I haven't. I don't follow the Tigers, and we haven't played them since like fucking early Stat May. So coming. yeah. Yep. I'm, um, I'm on it. I'll just keep ranting until one of you guys figure that out. But yep, you he know, is. Yeah, oh, that's sad. That's sad, but he's getting his reps at shortstop that he wanted his whole entire MLB career, so shout out him. But, you know, we got a team that can win ball games, that is meant to win ball games, and that hopefully will end up winning ball games, especially when we hit that. Like Johnny had just said, you know, this is the gauntlet. This is probably the toughest stretch that the White Sox are going to see in terms of consecutive series of contending yeah. opponents throughout the Rope whole year. the Yankees before that, and absolutely, this is the toughest stretch. This is this has been, and, you know, we handled the Yankees mightily. We split against the Cubs. Tony and I... Gordon Beckham about, has a better war than Yonder Alonzo. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, well, a lot of people have a better war than Yonder Alonzo. So... I mean, moving forward, the White Sox have Gordon a... Beckham could be your DH, and you'd have about an extra win this year. I don't want to know. <laughs> We're 38-40 and 40 with Gordon Beckham as our DH. So, I mean, moving forward... Um, <laughs> That's so bad. I don't want to talk about it, dude. <laughs> moving forward... We are laughing. Came <laughs> out from the pits today... You know, they jumped on sale early, they ended up bouncing back, and they ended up pulling a win out in a Reynaldo Lopez start, which hasn't happened frequently this year. You know, you guys had mentioned it earlier, Colome got his first, I wouldn't say blown, I mean, yeah, blown save, but he ended up getting the win, so he still ended up doing something right. Um, Pablo Sandoval that. could be a DH for the White Sox right now, and you'd have about a win and a half. Well, no, 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 hold on. Sandoval, you just need to go back to San Francisco, dude. Sandoval has been mightily improving on his last couple years of production, though, so I'll give that to him. Um, but, yeah, moving forward, we have a very losable series and a very winnable series. You know, I could fully expect the White Sox to be right about where they are, which is four games under, three games under 500 by the next time we talk. 
other than that, um, you know, you guys are awesome for submitting those questions. Anybody that's still listening at this point, but keep rolling with the White Sox because you obviously know, regardless. I mean, last year it was a 62 and 100 team. We put out, if not weekly episodes, bi-weekly episodes. You know, we are going to stick with this team through thick and thin regardless. And we appreciate that whoever is listening to this point is still sticking with not only this team to this point, but this fucking podcast. Because we, like, Tony is laying down on his couch with a Budweiser America hat and some fucking Star Spangled Banner sunglasses. So, Tony, I'll let you take it away. But until then... Go fucking White Sox, man. Shy Sox bi-weekly. Yeah, literally. Like your paycheck, baby. Let's go White Sox. Can I get to go White Sox? Hey, uh, good times tonight, guys. I know it got off the rails, but shit. This stuff's fun, man. Um, you know, coming off of a little bit of stretch like that, um, obviously the wind today elevated the mood, but I definitely think this helps elevate the mood, too. Um, I know everybody's going to be excited for the White Sox to be back in town. Uh, it's always a good time at the ballpark, no matter what. Can't stress it enough. Uh, come off the ballpark Saturday. Um, you probably meet up with all of us here. That being said, um, let's go White Sox. Let's go Sox. Go White Sox, baby. Go White Sox.